0: God has got so much more. And even today, this story will be familiar to some of you. And yet, God wants to reveal something new, something fresh for you to take away and apply to your life. Now, put up a little uh, image here. Sam, how many of you uh, know what this is? Okay, those of you that can't see it, you, you need to know what this is, all right? You're overdue for finding out what this is. Uh, this is, this is an a example of an eye chart uh, that you would use uh, if you went to get your eyes tested, you know, uh, whether you get a regular test or whether you've never had one before. If you go into the optometrist or the, the eye specialist, they'll put something like this up. And uh, and they and they might you know cover this eye and then they'll cover this eye and then they maybe put some little uh, fancy little uh, round, very 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 ugly uh, glasses things on and they slot different lenses in the whole thing. And I know this because I uh, my uh, my eyesight is terrible. Uh, I was born with terrible eyesight. Um, They'd actually uh, insert prescription glasses into the womb so I could find my way out. Um, and. Uh, so I'm very familiar with these things. I have spent probably years cumulatively of my life in uh, getting my eyes tested. What, what, what you'll notice about these eye tests, I mean, obviously, you know, E, hopefully we can all see the top letter is E, E for elevate, not really. Um, and then the, the letters get smaller and smaller and smaller. The idea is to identify what what level of visual acuity we have, okay? Because everybody has a different level of visual acuity and this chart represents that. In fact, on the far side, some of you can't read that, so let me help you, is, is, the, uh, is the, 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 no, the numerical notation of your visual acuity. So if you have very bad, bad, bad eyesight and you're not going to be able to punch much, much past the E, you're going to be ra- ranked as having 2200 vision. Okay, if anyone ever says, "Well, you've got twenty two hundred vision," it's not intended as a compliment. Okay, just as long as you know that. And when the further we go down, when we get to this this red line here, that's actually twenty twenty vision. Some of you have heard that expression. Twenty—that's like you know perfect vision. That's that's clear. Everything's working, doing the doing the job it's meant to be. All right. Some of you. You haven't been around the red line for a long time. I understand that. I've never been that far down the chart, okay? I mean, my, my appointments with the eye specialist are very, very short, okay? I'm about line three. But today we're going to talk and look at a story of a blind man. You know, his, he, he wouldn't even know that there was a screen up here, let alone anything on the screen. And it's a story of Jesus interacting with this blind man. John records it like this, walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? See, there was a, there was a thinking at the time that the reason people had physical deformities or deficiencies were, was somehow tied to generational sin okay, or, or the sin of that individual. And so they asked him the question they, they, you know, the, for them, it was assumed that somebody must have sinned and they just want to know who it was. And, that, and you know, to have caused it, that man to be blind from birth. But here's the thing. There's this level of, you know, varying levels of visual acuity. All of us have some level of visual impairment, not just physically, though we do, but none of us. See everything clearly. Okay, none of us understand everything. None of us have 2020 vision. And none of us have 2020 vision, especially when it comes to understanding everything about how life works, everything about how God works. I mean, if we understood everything of how God works, we'd be God. And and none of us are, and and, and none of us ever will be, but but we won't ever fully understand everything. We all have a level of visual impairment. And what can happen over time and over life is is things can happen to us. Circumstances can happen in our lives and around our lives that actually blur our vision even further. I remember uh, about six or seven years ago, Louisa and I were uh, in the East Coast. I think we went there to to see the Lion King uh, Broadway musical. And we got a phone call from the family back here in Perth saying that Louisa's grandfather, her nonno Giovanni, had just been diagnosed with cancer. And we were there and, 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 and we were due to come back in a few days' time. And so we couldn't you know, get back as quickly as we wanted to. But, but what we could do is start praying. And we believe that God heals. We've seen God heal. We've, we know people that God has healed from cancer. And so he's been diagnosed with cancer. And we started praying for him, for God to heal him. Of cancer, and yet despite our prayers, several months later he passed away. I don't understand that. That blurs my vision. I I don't have full clarity on why God heals some people and and doesn't heal others. You know, some of you, maybe you lost a job. You got fired from a job despite working hard and turning up and and bringing your best every day. You got fired, and and stuff like that blurs our vision. You know, some of you have got spouses, or kids, or parents, or neighbours, or colleagues that you've been praying for, and you've been engaging with, and investing in, and trying to introduce them to Jesus, and, and they don't appear interested. And you think this is the greatest deal on the planet, mate. You get to meet Jesus and have the life that He promised, and they just—they're not interested. In, and you—you—you you, you want for them what you've got, and they don't want it. It doesn't make any sense, and stuff like that can further blur our vision. But if it's true that we all go through life with some level of blurred vision and we're never going to have full clarity while we're here on this earth, the question I want to ask today and a couple of ideas I want to put forward is what would God want us to know? What would God want us to learn? How would God want us to operate knowing that we're going to have a level of blurred vision? that we're going to have a level of visual impairment in terms of understanding everything about life and everything about God. One of the things that we need to learn in life, one of the things that we need to grow in, in life is that we actually need to see beyond the obstacles. Obstacles will come. You know this. You've had obstacles placed in front of you before. Some of you have got obstacles right in front of you. Smack bang, in the middle of your windscreen right now. And one of the things that God would have us do is actually see beyond the obstacle. Beyond the obstacle is the breakthrough. Beyond the obstacle is the miracle. Understanding there's an obstacle. Not, not living in denial. Oh, I follow Jesus. There's never any problems in my life. Rubbish. But following Jesus means that obstacles aren't always dead-end streets. I read a quote and I I, I uh, reposted one of the church leaders that I follow closely, a guy named Bill Johnson, put this up on Facebook just two days ago. Just incredible, simple, but incredible thoughts. Sometimes our breakthrough begins when we refuse to be impressed with the size of our problem. See, this whole series of, of miracles, this whole, this whole 42 days of looking at, at, at what Jesus has done is been designed to remind us of what he can still do. Jesus is alive and powerful and working today. And the mistake we can make is we can be more impressed with the problem and the size of the problem than the size of our God and his power. And sometimes breakthrough begins when we refuse to be so impressed with the size of our problem and put our focus and our emphasis beyond the obstacle at the breakthrough that Jesus can actually bring. He's not impressed with obstacles. He's not scared of obstacles. If you've overcome death, it's kind of like there's no other trick in the book that's going to hold you back. But We often see obstacles as being a dead-end road, a cul-de-sac. And so we don't punch through. We don't. Look beyond, we get deflated, we lose hope. How many of you, uh, let's put this next one up, Sam. How many of you recognize this? Does anyone does anyone recognize this? Does anyone know what this is? Can anyone help me? It's been a while. Okay, this is, for those of you under the age of 30, this is a street directory, okay? We used to have these, and we used to have these other things called phone books, okay? Phone books, yes, but uh, street directories, I, this says 2011. I, I looked in the console of our car this week because I, I couldn't even remember if we had one. We've got a 2010, and I don't believe we've used it since 2010. Well, I drive a Vespa, so reading a map in a Vespa does not go well. Um, but I don't use a street directory anymore because I've got something. Now, now, this is the way it used to work. When we used to share a car, I, I would drive, and I would have a woman. Louisa, in the car with the map telling me where to go, all right? I've upgraded since then. I've got me a new map, and I've got me a new woman. Her name is Siri, and uh, Siri now tells me where to go when I'm driving. And uh, she's pretty, 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 pretty direct. But here's the thing, okay, you get your little smartphone, you get your little iPhone, and, and, and it's, these days it's just so simple. Technology fascinates me. It's just so simple. This, you just say, uh, uh, Siri, um, you don't even have to say her name. You can be very, very abrupt. Just, just, just get straight to the action there, Dave. Just go, woman. No, just say, directions to, you know, Morley Galleria, for example. And she'll say, getting directions to Morley Galleria. And... Uh, <laughs> just got to iron out a little bit of the uh, linguistic issues there, but that's what she'll say. And um, and then she punches it up and she says, starting route and, and and away you go. And, and you don't even have to know where Morley is. You don't have to know where the gate, you don't have to know where anything is. You just have to follow her instructions. And she'll say in 400 meters, turn left on Walter Road or whatever. But you can ignore her instructions. Uh, Or you can maybe just miss here, and that's cool. And and you might drive past Walter Road, okay? and, And now you're going in the complete opposite direction to the Morley Galleria, which is not good if you're trying to get to the Morley Galleria. One of the great things about Siri is when you go past the turnoff that she's said to go, she does this little thing. She says, recalculating route. And then... She fixes this. She, she will still get you to her intended destination. And that's very much a modern day example of what God can do in our lives. We see an obstacle and we think it's a dead end. We think it's going to block the path that he wants to travel on. And, and if we look to him, if we trust him, if we are obedient to his directions... There'll be times when he can say to you, yeah, I saw the obstacle too, buddy. But you haven't missed it. Stick with me right now. I'm recalculating the route. See, we've been sold, too many of us, been sold a lie that following Jesus is problem free, obstacle free. We've been sold a lie that following Jesus is a linear path. And it it very much isn't. We've been sold a lie that that following Jesus is 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 just about maintaining the same speed. It's like cruise control, so we can actually get very very comfortable. It's from here to eternity at 60 kilometers an hour, no problem. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus never promised it would. It's daft Christians that have tried to sell that lie, and it's a lie. Sometimes we're going to hit obstacles. They're going to seem insurmountable. To us, but never to God, never to Jesus. So if you can imagine, if you've been blind since birth, what's the, what's the number one desire in your life? you could be pretty safe to imagine that that guy's number one desire in life is just to see. Yeah. What is this blue you tell me about? The sky is blue. What is this sky you tell me about? What does my hands look like? Yeah. And the list goes on. But if you've been blind since birth, this would seem insurmountable. Jesus' response was, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That's a very, it's a very kind of strange thing for Jesus to say. The, the guy was born blind so that the, that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What's that got to do with with anything? I'm just asking if I can see, mate. I'm not interested in the work of God being displayed. Just give me some sight. That would be his prayer. We often think of miracles and God's motivation for performing miracles as being giving us a little leg up, giving us a helping hand in life. And that's certainly part of the, the motivation. I'll share a great story as many of you know, we, we invest in a child survival program in the Philippines. And they just sent through a new report this week of some of the more recent work that's been done in the last few months. And uh, this is a bit of the report. We've faced many challenges in the last six months. Now, this child survival program is, is uh, reducing child mortality of kids aged zero to five. Okay, so This is in a village in the Philippines that we financially invest in. We've faced many challenges in the last six months. But we were challenged the most when one of our registered children was diagnosed with hemorrhagic dengue. Now it used to be called dengue fever. It's a mosquito-borne disease. There's actually no known cure for it. It's a very uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very highly um, high level of fatalities if you contract that disease. So, so a seven-month-old boy was brought to the program with this this fever, and brought by his mum. Now you know. <laughs> You you who are parents, some of you, you've taken your kids to Royal Perth or Princess Margaret, you know, emergency in the middle of the night and four in the morning, and it it, it freaks you out with some of what they've got, whooping cough and so on and so This This kid had a potentially fatal uh, condition, and his mum, in desperation, took him to see if there was anything they can do. He was only seven months old then. When his mum came to the center, the staff prayed together for them and then took him to the hospital. There's a little lesson of priorities there too, by the way. For immediate medication and assistance of the physician. And we declared the healing touch of the Lord upon the child. Now, here's a kid who, who was very sick. A mother who was very distraught. Who could have potentially died from this. And so they prayed for him and took him to the hospital. Now, how many of you would hope... That be, with a combination of prayer and, and medication that that seven-month-old child would have pulled through? How many would, have, would like to think that that's how the story went, that God would have helped him, given him a leg up? Absolutely. But you know what? What if that wasn't on, God's only motivation for performing a miracle in anyone's life? What, and in fact, what if it wasn't even his main motivation? Jesus said this guy had been born blind. Here's a clue. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You know, Jesus wants to perform miracles, not just to give us a helping hand, not just to give us a leg up, though, though it includes that. But his number one priority, his big idea is so that the work of God might be displayed in our lives. Here's the second ch- uh, paragraph of that seven-month-old boy's story. Now the child is very healthy. And because of the goodness of God in their lives, even the father of the child decided to come to church and attend the service. And through this, our registered, other registered mothers stirred up their faith in God. Some of the caregivers are actively attending the service together with their husbands too because of God's miraculous ways. The church there is experiencing growth as a result of God healing a seven-month-old boy from dengue fever. God wants to perform miracles in our lives even more than we want him to perform miracles in our lives. He needs to be the one we go to, to not look at the obstacles, to see beyond the obstacles, and to call out to him. He can recalculate our route. There is, however, a catch. Of course. Great. There's a catch. Often when Jesus wants to perform a miracle in our lives, He calls us to do something first, to activate and demonstrate our faith. And it won't always make sense to us. Sometimes it might, but not always. But always, whether it makes sense or not, he requires immediate obedience. Okay, understand those two words, immediate obedience. Jesus did just finished saying about this blind man that he was born blind so that the work of God might be revealed in his life. And he said this and, and then he spit in the dust and he made a clay paste with saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes and said, go and wash at the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means scent. Sand- This is just weird. Does anyone think this is getting weird right now? There's a blind guy. And Jesus, you know, slags on the ground, picks up a bit of dust, dirt, you know, full of germs and, and... And makes a paste out of it. That's quite a bit of saliva there. Jesus hocked a pretty big loogie right at that moment in time. Don't read on this, oh, that, no. Jesus never spits. Please. That's exactly what Jesus did do. Why? I have no idea. If you were the blind man, would that have felt like progress to you right about then? You, You can't see as it is, and he puts big flippin' mud cakes on you right now. Women pay hundreds of dollars to get this sort of stuff done these days, but back then it wasn't so common. And then he says, go and wash, wash the mud off in the pool. If, if I was a blind guy, well, mate, I would prefer you just didn't put the mud on there in the first place. And now you expect me to have to go and solve it. I've got to go and find the pool. I can't even see. And I've got to navigate. Mud or no mud do not make a difference if you're blind, right? Apart from now you look a bit not ideal. Cucumbers, sure. Mud, not so much. But you know what? For whatever reason, the blind man went and washed and saw. John didn't record the blind man questioning, John didn't record the blind man hesitating. John didn't record the blind man delaying, deliberating, reading a book about it, going to a conference, speaking to 50 people, flipping a coin, drawing straws, playing rock, paper, scissors with Jesus, doing all the things that we love to do when things don't make sense. Jesus said to do something. The man went and washed and sore. Instant obedience. Parents, you know this. You know this. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Johnny, the bins get collected tomorrow, Johnny, right? Yes, dad. And Johnny, you know that, that you're, you're rusted. Have a look on the fridge. You're rusted this week to put the bins out tonight aren't you? Yes, dad, I am. Johnny, that means right now I want you to go and put the bins out. No, dad, I'm in the middle of a, I'm I'm crushing a guy in Singapore in Halo. And if I stop now, it's all over. Johnny? Put the game controller down, go and get the bin, and put the bin out on the curb. You need to do it now because the bins get collected tomorrow. Dad, you don't understand. I'm just about to uh, unlock a new level on this game. If I crush this kid, I can't put the bins out now. Johnny, I want you to get up, put the game controller down, and put the bins out now because that's what I'm telling you to do, and I'm telling you to do it now. You dads understand, you, you, you're feeling, you know this. This is real for you. Johnny's life at this moment in time hangs in the balance. Johnny thinks he's playing a life or death situation with Halo. He doesn't realize he's just invoked a life or death situation with you. And whether he will or won't see his 12th birthday is completely your choice to make at that moment. Tomorrow night isn't going to get it done because the bins are collected in the morning. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. When Jesus calls us to do something, even if it doesn't make sense, our obedience could very well be the trigger to seeing perform the miracle. We saw this a few weeks ago. There was a crippled man. Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. It doesn't make sense. I'm crippled. And yet somehow he did. A couple of weeks ago, we we looked at Jesus' first ever miracle where he had a wedding feast, they ran out of wine and Jesus abracadabra turned water into wine. But one of the things he said is he said to the servants, go and get big vats and fill them up with water. And it's recorded simply this, Jesus said, and they did. Same principle, not Jesus said, and they prayed about it, went to the conference, read the book, when Jesus said, and they did. Now, let me insert a very important distinction just for the record. We can't manufacture miracles. All right? If, if we could, we could get the credit. Okay? Miracles are all about the, the source of the miraculous, the power of Jesus. Miracles don't always happen when we want them and how we want them in the way we want them because God's not a vending machine. The minute we treat him as a vending machine, pray a prayer, pull a button, Coke can comes out. It doesn't always work that way either. And by the way, I don't understand why. Anyone that tells you they do, rubbish. Whilst we can't manufacture miracles, we can actually derail the pathway to, To the miraculous. And one of the most common ways that we short circuit and derail the pathway to the miraculous is by disobedience or delayed obedience. Trying to understand everything before we first act. Faith doesn't work that way. complain about it. Oh God, the obstacles in front of me, the obstacles in front of me. God says, go and do something. Oh yeah, but God, you don't understand there's an obstacle in front of me. Yeah, I understand there's an obstacle in front of you. I want you to go and do this. And maybe by doing this, it'll trigger the miraculous. Yeah, but God, it's such a big obstacle. It's such, oh, it's got me so worn down. Oh, I'm so so tired. It's been there for so long. Do you understand? God doesn't actually act in response to our complaints. He acts in response to our faith. Oh, Jesus, you don't really care about me because you don't listen to my complaints. Jesus never listened to people's complaints. He simply said to them, do you have faith? Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Will you do this? So my question as we finish up this series on Miracles Month is, is, uh, what, what has God called you to do? regardless of whether it makes sense or not. what, what What's your miracle? What, what is actually, at the beginning of this month, what is actually the miracle that you put down? It, it might've been a relational miracle. You, you might've been praying for re- a relational miracle. You, you're, you, you've got a big obstacle between you and your spouse and it's been there and it's, and it seems insurmountable. What's God calling you to do? Is he calling you to go to counseling? Oh, but it's so expensive. Yeah, so is Divorce. It's not a cost it's an investment. If that's what Jesus is calling you to do he's also going to be wanting to be in on providing the finances. He's not sending you there to send you broke and, and and no but 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 only you can answer the question what's god calling you to I'll tell you a little thing for 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 us. I I like to read the news on my iPad, okay? My little iPad here. I don't read the paper anymore. I curate my news so I can, you know, weed out all the stupidity and just read the news that, that I think is important. So I, I often of uh, an evening and sitting at our little breakfast bar and reading the news and Louisa will talk to me and she's talking and I'm doing this. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, 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 yep, all right, Right. God spoke to me this month and told me that was not a very good thing to do. God said to me, stop reading your iPad when your wife's talking to you or or, or you're going to end up in a world of pain. And I know that God was speaking this to me because he spoke through Louisa. But that's actually true. God, no kidding. I sat there. Louis said, stop reading your something, something iPad. And, and look at me when I'm talking to you. No kidding. I, I recognize that's the voice of God. But the... <laughs> now that just, it might sound a little bit, a little bit small and inconsequential, but that, do you know what I mean? But again, it's huge, and I could, have, I could have disobeyed. I could have ignored. And it does have implications. Maybe it's financial. Maybe this month God's called you to step up your giving. And you're saying, well, I'm, going wait. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait to see if some more money comes in. That's not how faith operates. Maybe your miracle at the start of this month was, was to get out debt. You know, cut up the credit cards and experience financial freedom. And, and yet you've continued to spend more than you earn. You've continued to buy things that you don't actually need and you don't need them. There might be wants and wants aren't all bad, but you might've been better off delaying the purchase of the wants and putting that money onto your credit card. And, but you haven't. Delayed obedience is disobedience. My encouragement as we finish this Miracles Month, and by the way, we finished talking about it. I, I really hope this is just the, spring, the springboard, the launch pad for us to experiencing more and more miracles because I've said this during this month, faith is like a muscle. It can grow and develop as we use it. And so if we commit to a lifetime of stepping out in faith, acting in faith, we can expect week upon week, month upon month, year upon year, circumstance upon circumstance for our faith to grow and for these obstacles to seem smaller and for God to appear as he really is. Pretty flipping big. But my question, and I want to leave this as the final thought in this teaching, is Is what has God called you to do that on the back end of your obedience, he will recalculate your route to experience the breakthrough that you so desperately want. You don't have to understand it. You just have to do it. Look, two more things. Really, uh, the most important thing we do here every week is give people an opportunity to connect with God, to actually uh, follow him, to say to him, you know, I want to actually be in a relationship with you. I want to put my, my my whole trust in you. I want to actually become your follower. We talked about these his disciples. Well, we can become his disciples. It means to be someone who, 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 who submits their life to him in every way. And some of you have done that, and some of you haven't ever done that. And if you've never never done that, if you've never said to God, I want to have a relationship with you. If you've never said to Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to make you my Lord and I want to submit my life to you, then right here, right now, we want to give you that opportunity. For those of you that need to make that decision and you know that's, that's your act of obedience this morning is for you to make that decision to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want a relationship with God. All we want you to do right now is just put your hand up and by putting your hand up, you're saying, yeah, that's me. I want and I need that relationship with God. I'm going to start following you from today forward, Jesus. You just slip your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're going to quickly pray. So I don't want to miss anybody. For those of you that have never made this decision, just slip your hand up really quickly. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're going to pray. This is the greatest miracle that could ever take place in your life, to be in a relationship with God. So don't miss the opportunity this morning. If you've never made that decision, just slip your hand up now. You say, yeah, that's me this morning. Okay. Well, that challenge remains with all of us, Elevate, that we continue to engage with, invest in and invite people who aren't yet following Jesus. And that See that miracle of salvation, of becoming new creations, of them, our friends, our spouses, our kids, our parents, our neighbors, our colleagues, for them to start that relationship with Jesus.